This is Behold, a VBC podcast. Our goal is to examine biblical truth that will better equip you to behold the glory of the Lord more fully in your daily life. And without further ado, here is the Behold podcast. All right, well, hello and welcome to the Behold podcast, everybody. My name is Sean and I'm here with Dan as usual. That's right. I'm always here. Except when you're not, as has been said. Once or twice. Hey, we're grateful you're here with us. Today we have a special guest. We're really excited about this. Some would call him uh, high-pitched with his voice. Say hello to Mr. Randy White. Hey, Sean and Dan. Good to see you. That's not high-pitched. Yeah, yeah. We were joking earlier um, when we were doing sound check that Randy White, um, our, our wonderful elder and brother in the Lord, um, he just has a very... You have the perfect podcast voice. It's a, it's, it's a beautiful timbre. It's okay. We're good. Yeah, th- those of you who might not know this, uh, Randy works um, as a dispatcher for, for emer- emergency services and for the police. And I just, I've thought about this several times, actually. If, if I was in an emergency situation and needed someone to, to talk me down and calm me down, man, who better than Mr. Randy White himself? I can just picture it. Just, Both yeah. are very kind. Just, sir, this is a Wendy's. Relax. It, it's going to yeah. be okay. It's going to yes. be okay. You just um, never say to somebody, calm down. No, no, that, yeah. that, that's, never, that's never helpful. Just calm down. Yeah, exactly. just, you have to calm down, and oh. that does usually the opposite effect. That's right. Also, Randy, I feel like maybe um, maybe you th- you would agree with this, that you perhaps missed your, your calling in life as, a, as maybe, maybe a weather uh, meteorologist you know, uh, person on the, on, the, on the news. I feel like because you're a weather enthusiast, uh, and with that voice and just the beautiful appearance, I mean, you're just an imposing uh, regal figure. I feel like you'd be great on TV. Did you ever think about maybe going out, um, being, being a meteorologist, going out for that job? I think the uh, academic part of it turned me <laughs> off. There was a lot of, there's a lot of science on that. That's and, true. Yeah, physics and. Was well, there anything interesting happening with the weather these days? Do you want to give us a little report on the on the weather? Unfortunately, no. And we're, I mean, I do, but as far as interesting, there isn't. Uh, (laughs) La Nina is here. And uh, typically with La Nina, we have a a drier winter in this area, Mm. usually a little cooler. But uh, right now we're having a little bit of warmth out in the Bay Area because we're having uh, some offshore flow coming around the Rockies. So we're getting some north, northeast winds that have been coming down. So sounds delightful. Yeah. It's, I, was uh, out, I was out golfing yesterday morning. I was like, this is great. This is why we pay the big bucks to live in California. Cause uh, to see the hills still brown <laughs> that's true, in mid November is concerning. So we just have to pray that we get a couple good, decent soakers here. And this is in your behold weather, weather report. report. Yes. Yeah. Speaking uh, of reports, so I keep cutting you off, Sean, but I'm just so excited to have Randy here. Speaking of reports, also something significant has happened in, in the life of the white family uh, since you were last on here, uh, you gave away your 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 final your youngest daughter uh, her hand in marriage. Is that true? That's true. So tell us tell us about that. How was how was the uh, the affair the the occasion? Was it was it beautiful and blessed? And uh, how's everything going on? Oh, it front? was a, it was a great time. Yeah. Um, we had a just a joyful afternoon and evening of good food, good dancing, good. It was a good little service, and um, everybody looked great and. Yeah, they just got back from their honeymoon and we had them over for dinner last night. So they visited a good number of countries in Europe. So fun. And uh, it was just a special day. Look, some of the pictures we've seen so far look really good and uh, looking forward to seeing more and 
So yeah, that was exciting. All so, four so, now married. Yeah. So as a father, do you feel a certain sem- sense of accomplishment and you can exhale now that they're all married off? <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, as I say to all the son-in-laws, they're yours now, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, but it's, it was a, just a great day. That's awesome. Yeah. Cool. Well, Sean, should we also tell them uh, about maybe what's going to be happening in the next little few minutes here with uh, somebody else coming in and joining? Yeah. Give we, a little heads up. We may or may not, uh, depending on what happens, <laughs> have another joining us. And uh, he is familiar to many of you and actually joined Randy this past Sunday teaching at the crossing, talking about evangelism. And that would be the one and only Jason Moog. And uh, if he comes, he comes. We'll, we'll be excited to have him when he gets here. Um, but he's coming because, like I just mentioned, Jason and Randy together just shared on Sunday about evangelism. We're in this series called Household of God. And that's been what a, what, a, what a delight to just come together and hear from different elders and different teachers about the many arenas of being a faith family together. We've kind of told the story and, and and built the foundation up of what the local church should look like. You know, what does a heart of discipleship and making disciples look like? And then uh, enjoying fellowship together and doing life together. Um, and then we talked about using your gifts to serve one another and glorify God in that process. And then you guys um, took us to the the next natural outpouring of that, which is sharing your faith, you know, outside of just our little faith family. Um, what does it look like to share your faith? And the word that a lot of people use when they think about that is evangelism. Isn't that right? So we'll see when Jason gets here, um, where, what, what things he wants to unpack more based on his time. But Rainy, we can just ask you, um, based on your time now at the Ultimate with Mr. Jonathan Attaboy, and then this last Sunday with Jason Moog, just talking about sharing your faith, what are some things that God really, um, first just put in your heart to help you prepare that teaching, but then maybe now in this time, we can unpack a little bit deeper from that, that time on those two Sundays. Yeah, thanks, Sean. Well, it's it's something that's near and dear to my heart, to be perfectly honest. When I was in high school, I was a super introverted uh, kid. And when I became a Christian in my junior year of high school, as I think I said on Sunday, I, I kind of found my voice hmm. in the sense that I was so insecure and invert, uh, introverted in just how I kind of grew up that when I became a Christian, I discovered that I had a voice that I could share my faith. And I can only attribute that really, that it was a work of, of the Holy Spirit in my life mm-hmm. because it wasn't typically who I was. Yeah. And I remember when I became a Christian, I, I gave a little Bible study to a group of other high school kids. And I was just trying to figure out how they could experience what I was experiencing. And so I wow. gave a, a little lesson on the 10 steps to the victory over depression by Tim LaHaye, which wow. in hindsight had nothing to do with a bunch of kids being depressed. I just thought that was maybe what they needed to hear. Yeah, yeah. And so it was just an opportunity to start to talk about Jesus. And I think I was fortunate that I got plugged into a local church very quickly after I became a Christian that really emphasized the importance of evangelism. Wow. And so early on within months, I was learning how to prepare a testimony, uh, how to share my story. I was learning about how to share and memorize uh, scripture verses. And so there was about 24 verses that became part of my um, These are the go-to kind of... Yeah. And so there, and I had it, I had this 
plan that, again, it's not the plan, but it was a, a plan that I could work with and, and incorporate in talking to other people. But mm. it, it started really with just because I experienced yeah. the joy of Jesus and I just wanted to talk about that. I want to ask you about that a little bit because I, I wonder if you think of, do you think about that as kind of the, um, you know, the, the core, right? The, the foundation with which everything flows from is developing this, um, this experience and connection and transformation that comes from Jesus and, and his gospel and putting our faith in him. Um, when we have really tasted and seen that God is good, um, and we're, we're dwelling on that in, in a constant ongoing way, um, really evangelism flows from that. Um, and, it sounds like you kind of learned that from an early age, like, and you know, we're all just kind of beggars, right? Like telling other beggars where we can get something to eat, <laughs> you know? And just, so, so talk about how, cause it sounds like that was something that was birthed in you from, from very early on in, in your, in your walk with Jesus. But how is that something that you cultivate in an ongoing way so that your evangelism doesn't become forced or um, formulaic or, or just something you kind of, robotically do, but it's more just, it almost sounds like it's an overflow of what you've experienced. How, how do you cultivate that? That's a really good question. And I, I believe one of the points that we talked about on Sunday was the importance of, of prayer and the, and remind, being reminded that this is a spiritual work. And so in talking to others about Christ, whether you it's, and there's so many different ways I've had the opportunity of doing, and it has nothing to do with Thanksgiving, but it's called cold turkey. Mm. I've, I've had the opportunity to do cold turkey where you just go to somebody's door, door to door, wow. or you go to a, a college campus. Or when we lived in Ireland, we did street preaching with mm. a, a sketchboard and and you would paint a message and maybe there'd be a group of a hundred people there listening for five minutes. So there, there's so many different ways to share your faith. There's just talking to your neighbor, but you at the heart of it, you really need to have, and I need to have God just reminding me of just how great he is, what he has done for me, how he has saved my soul and the consequences for those who don't know Christ, what that means. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a verse in scripture that says that he who has the son has life. He who does not have the son does not have life Mm. and the wrath of God abides on him forever. Yeah. And so when you are really mindful of not only this wonderful cure that I have received because of the cross and what Jesus has done for me, but I know I have that in that it's found in Christ, wow. in Christ alone. And so it's super important. I, I think when I see people just to remember their, their, their fate, if they were to die and leave this earth, mm. because there is no there's not going to be another chance once, yeah. once they die. And you, you ask God to help give you those eyes to see people in that way. Yes? I do. And sometimes yeah. I, when I don't, I'm just sort of like in a fog as far as in not seeing the opportunities that are maybe yeah. right before me. But then when I'm sensitive to that and I'm kind of dialed in and tuned in with, with the Lord and there's some intimacy with him that's genuine, yes. then it just becomes more natural and, oh, or so if you good. like supernatural to <laughs> want to to just remember not only with my lips, but with my life to somehow be a, um, a testimony, a, to be salt and light uh, so that the opportunity, 
if there is one to share verbally, it's not going to be, it isn't going to have to been compromised because I was living a constant, if you like, hypocritical or lukewarm Christian walk. I'm so glad that you, you, you mentioned that process for you because Go back to your original question, Dan, like, is it, is it your tasting and seeing and it's an outpouring of your experience with Jesus or is it this like robotic, you do what you have to do? Unfortunately, I think for so many people, it's neither, it's in between because the reality is we're living in a world of spiritual warfare daily and, and Satan is constantly working to distract and just skew your perspectives. And so I think probably most people, if you really ask them, they would say, if they claim to be saved, yeah, at one point I have tasted and seen the Lord is good. But right now I'm in that fog you mentioned, you know? Wow. And so you have to be actively working on developing that, you know? And that's why Jesus talks so much about abiding in him, about finding your rest in him, about, about beholding who he is, you know, and, and, and that process of focusing on him because the reality is it's not like a one and done thing for us. It just, it just yeah. never will be. And I think that's where a lot of us, when it comes to, you know, what is the motivation for our evangelism? Cause I understand it. Cause like it, if you're a newer Christian and you're hearing people say on, Things like you got to share your faith, you know, here's ways to evangelize. It's probably a little bit confusing and it's probably a little bit um, unclear to know like what that process should look like exactly. And this is why I love how you just simplified it in the context of just, I have experienced the love of Jesus and I want you to experience that too, you yeah. know, because sometimes we get really hung up on the tools of evangelism and apologetics and right. our bridge analogies and all this kind of stuff. And We'll talk about that a little bit later, I'm sure. And those are super valuable things. However, at the end of the day, the the reality of it is this. At some point, every single one of us had to come to a conclusion that something is different about the way of Jesus and the kingdom of God, you know? And maybe it was a book you read. Maybe it was the Bible. Maybe it was someone in your life. I think for most of us, that's what it was, where you just said to yourself, something is different about that person, you know? And so I like to think about evangelism like that, mm-hmm. less of what's my perfect two minute testimony, you know, what's the exact words that will convince this person of the truth, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. um, more so I just think, man, I, I want to make it clear that by the way I live, that something is different about my life because of Jesus, you know? And when you look at scripture, it becomes clear what those types of things are, yeah. you know, like we, yeah. we, we were just talking about John 13 on Monday. And that was one of those things where you have Jesus King washing his disciples feet. He says, this type of service, this type of sacrificial love, they're going to know you're my disciples by this kind of stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. And so going back to this evangelism conversation, man, if, if I'm sure a lot of us have experienced this type of interaction and we don't like it where beautiful words paired with lack of action is never going to be a good testimony for Jesus. You know, we can form our perfect speech and have the right words to say, but if it's not backed up by the reality of you loving that person, like Jesus loves them, like loves you, then they're not going to get that across, right? Yeah. They're not going to feel that. I think well, it's a good thing to, to think about. It's so good to think about. And I, I really, I, what we're talking about is, is like an order of operations, right? If we're, if, if we are, starting from this place of engaging in the world and saying, I'm going to, I'm going to go and talk to my, my unsaved family members and coworkers and neighbors and, and just hammer them over the head with the Bible. And, you know, I mean, we've all been around people where either their tactics are, um, not great. 
they're they're not genuine or like you were saying guys there's there's a dissonance between what their message is and and the manner that they're, with which they're living right we've all we've all seen that kind of stuff there's there's a million different traps out there if if we're going to just say well I need to go out there and just engage and just start preaching and and sharing my faith um that will come if we do the the right step first of of tending to our inner world of, of, of just not doing, but being. <laughs> and, you know, just that, I love that, that, that idea from, we see from the Psalms of being still and knowing that, that he is God. Well, what does that mean? It means that he's in control. He is my father, which means he loves me and he's going to provide for me and he's going to take care of me. It means that he's a righteous judge. <laughs> it means that, um, I, I'm, I'm living in surrender to him. And, and I'm beholding his beauty and I'm abiding and walking by his spirit. If, if that's the place we're, we're living in, then we're going to have spiritual eyes to see things um, like they really are. I, I was driving home from the city this morning. I, I was um, driving a friend out there to, to go look at, uh, he's, he's buying a car. Um, and I haven't heard from him yet. So hopefully he didn't get like robbed from this weird <laughs> Craigslist guy, but, uh, pray, pray, leave, I hope you're okay out there. Um, but anyway, I was just driving over and, um, and I, I was, I was challenged and encouraged, you know, this morning from uh, a conversation by John Mark Comer, um, you know, on YouTube, I was listening and basically what he was saying is we, we have this, um, aversion to si- silence and solitude as humans. And one of the reasons for that that is the case from from for humans in general, um, I think we struggle on varying degrees. But one of the arguments he was making is because we don't want to come. We're afraid of what's going to happen in the silence, because we don't want to come face to face with our pain or our shortcomings. Um, we we're afraid that God's going to speak some <laughs> revelation to us, and we're going to have to change something or 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 think you know in a different way. And so we, um, we run from that, that time of, of silence and solitude. And, and he says, you know, the digital age with devices in our hands and, you know, media everywhere and messaging coming from all different angles. He's like that, the, the reality of our modern age has exacerbated that problem for, for hu- humankind. And I just was thinking on that. And so on my drive back from the city, I was like, I'm going to be just going to sit in silence and just be with my father. And it was so cool because... I was driving over and, and you know, when you come over the Bay bridge and you're looking at, you're looking at kind of Oakland, San Leandro and the Hills and, and it's, it's, you know, beautiful. You see, you just see all, all the, all the water and, and the sky was just so clear and beautiful. And I'm just thinking, man, this is so beautiful. Um, even, even like the, the, the skyscrapers and the buildings and the cranes and the boats and stuff. And I'm just like, this is cool. Like I love living here. And then I just felt like God was told me, he's like, he's like, but do you see like, the pain. Do you see the brokenness, the death, the decay? He's like, this is, this is my world soaked with sin. (laughs) And, and I just felt like an incredible burden in that, in that moment. Like, and I started praying for the lost, you know, and I started praying for the East Bay and just the Valley and, you know, God brought names to mind. And I just, and and then I didn't even remember that we were talking about evangelism today, but it just kind of flowed and rolled. I was like, okay, God's doing something here, but where did it come from? It came from me just saying, I'm going to, I'm going to spend some time with God. I, I was driving in the car. Like I, I wasn't like, you know, in my prayer closet, you know, uh, I just, and it was just a couple moments guys where I just tuned in to what the spirit is saying. And it really, it, it, it changed something shifted in my heart in that moment. Mm. 
And um, that's great. Yeah, it was great. And and now, guess what? I'm probably gonna have to do that tomorrow, <laughs> and maybe even later this afternoon. It's an ongoing thing, like because we live in a world that is counter to 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 God. And because we we carry around the, the, this this flesh in us, and it's constantly wanting to unite with the world, right? So, anyway, what do you guys think about all that? Yeah, I mean, I think the the Holy Spirit is so kind in that process to us because, on one hand, it's like, man, it it's not rocket science that God's plan for every single one of us is to become more and more like Jesus Christ, you know. Mm. And so, I think if we all sat down, like, with pen and paper, and like try to write down. In what ways am I not as much like Jesus as I should be? We could all probably identify things mm. and then focus on those areas for growth. Yeah. But are we doing that? Probably not. Not most <laughs> right. of us, you know? Right. Because again, we're spiritual warfare is a huge aspect of that. Satan is so cunning to 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 lie to us and just trick mm-hmm. us in that way. Um and so man, the Holy Spirit is so kind to to reveal those things to us. And sometimes it's uh, more of a slap on the head, like we need, like through conviction in our, in our hearts and our souls. Yeah. Sometimes it's a gentle, loving encouragement like that. Um, but we're missing out on that if we're not seeking God in that process through prayer, prayer like you mentioned. Yeah. Through the quiet time, like you're mentioning. Yeah. You got to make space, and you know we've mentioned this a bunch of times, but one of Satan's best tools to keep us from becoming more and more like Jesus is just busyness and distraction. Yeah. It's just keeping our, our, our schedules full of just busy work. That's non consequential for the kingdom of God, just to keep us from doing what he knows will be beneficial for our growth and for God's kingdom. Yeah. It's all about what you guys are saying really is just, it's just following in following the Lord Mm. being intimate, close, wanting to have his heart, seeing things as he sees things. And I was just thinking in one of the verses that Jason shared last Sunday was the verse from Mark 1, 17, where Jesus said, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. <laughs> so the the order is really important. We we follow, we, we, we stay close. Yeah. And then he says, now I'm going to, use you um, as one of my followers, as one of my disciples to, to, as he then says later in his last words, really before he went up uh, in Matthew eight twenty eight, go therefore and, and make disciples of all nations. So yeah. he was commissioning them, but, and he, but he spent that time with them because he really wanted them to get to know him and to spend time with him and learn from him. And to, as disciples, they were, they were in this super close relationship. And then, of course, they saw something that obviously radically changed their lives. They, yeah. they saw him crucified and then they saw the, uh, the empty tomb. Yeah. And so these men and women, as we read in Acts, were just transformed from the inside out mm. because they saw the reality of a mm-hmm. crucified Christ, but now risen Savior. And so they would go to whatever... It, extent they needed to within the power of the spirit to make sure that that message was made known. Yeah, that's so good. And, and I want to ask you about kind of just some, some how to practical thing, ways that you, that you kind of, um, live that out, you know, but, but I want to just make one more comment and maybe we could unpack this just, just a little bit more for people. Cause um, that transformation that you're experienced that, that you said that, that these early, uh, apostles and disciples experienced, um, you know, that 
that connection that what they witnessed of Jesus's miraculous life, um, that was the basis for which that they, they, they devoted their entire lives to spreading the gospel and advancing the kingdom. And so, um, maybe we can just talk a little bit about kind of how to get started like with that. Cause maybe there's some people that are listening who are just like, I want to, I want to be God's ambassadors. I want to be the hands and feet of Christ. I want to be salt and light, but my, my inner, my inner stuff is out of whack. Uh, uh, Sean, I'm like you said, I'm distracted or I'm busy or I'm, I'm just unengaged. What are some ways that we can, we can start to um, go to, you know, if you're not practiced regularly and going to that secret place, maybe we can just talk about a couple ways to engage. Like I've, I think it's interesting in Matthew 11, um, t- the disciples ask Jesus, teach us how to pray, teach us how to pray. And it's one of the only places I could think of where, where um, they, they say that, right? Because a lot of what they learned was on the go. They just watched Jesus do things and, and Jesus invited them in and, and sent them out and they just kind of figured it out on the go, right? But it's almost like they're like, hey, we, we see this connection between this amazing, miraculous, world-changing ministry that you have. Um, we see a connection between that outer stuff and your inner practice of going to the desolate places, right? Jesus would often re- escape to to the, the the secret lonely place, and if Jesus needed to do that, if he needed to have that time with the Father by the Spirit, how much more do, do we need that? So, um, you know, what are some ways that we that, that people can kind of get started? I mean, what do you guys think? Like, like one idea I have is just, man, it's less about the, um, it's less about the. How, how how much time you spend, although I think that will grow over time as, as you engage in that way. And it's more just about, about just developing a rhythm with it. You know, so if, if 15 or 30 minutes sounds very daunting to just be quiet and alone and, and still before God, start with a minute or two, you know, just in the morning to, to get your day started. Um, it, it's just about kind of showing up, you know, and, and letting God grow that. So what are some other things, you know, just that, that have been helpful for you guys in terms of developing that inner discipline of, um, of, of quiet solitude before the Lord? Yeah. Well, I think it's, um, you know, when you think about you know, like the, the, the secret place term, you, you said that a couple of times. Yeah. And if you're unfamiliar with, with that, it gets, it gets said sometimes. And if you don't know the background, you know, that's from Psalm 91 or that's a couple of places that I mentioned, but that's one of them. And it's painting this picture of what worshiping God looks like before Jesus. Mm-hmm. And it's referring to the tabernacle and it's really referring to the holiest of holies, which if you've seen a structure of the tabernacle, it's, you know, big temple and there's an inner area. And then there's a inner, inner area that is the holiest of holy places, you know, where only the priest can go in there to be alone with God and God's presence is manifested there, you know? Mm. And so when you think about that physically, you have this picture of you are alone, completely cut out from everything else in the world, separated by this huge thick veil, right? Mm. And you are alone with the presence of God in that place, yeah. you know? And you you read things like, man, if someone, the wrong person goes in there, he will drop dead. <laughs> you know, like this, this is a serious thing because God's presence is there. And then you, you read about how Jesus, like in Hebrews 9, it says, but Christ came as high priest of the good things to come. And with the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is not of this creation, not with the blood of goat 
goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once and for all, having obtained eternal redemption. So Jesus did this with his blood, and then he purchased access for us through the Holy Spirit to be able to experience that same presence with God every single day. So all that to say, I think when we're talking about the secret place, it, it, it's that same idea of you are seeking solitude and and one-on-one interaction with the spirit of God in, in, in his presence, you know? And thankfully, because of Jesus, we don't have to go to a tabernacle <laughs> to, to experience that, right? But I do think we need to have that same posture of heart. I think we have to maintain that same posture of seeking to separate all the distractions, of seeking to really intentionally go somewhere, knowing that the Lord is going to meet you there. Um, so when we say the secret place, I think that's what we're talking about is that same posture of heart as if you were going into the tabernacle. So some practical things, man, it's hard to enter the secret place when you're uh, in the middle of uh, a flurry of kids in the morning making breakfast. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's hard to enter the secret place when you're running from appointment to appointment throughout your day and you have no time to just stop for a second. You yeah. know? It's hard to enter the secret place when you're short on sleep and you're overworked and yada, yada, yada. You you get the point here. Um, So I think there's a level of intentionality with your scheduling. Just a practical thing. Time-wise, you need time. You just need time if you want to adopt that same posture of entering that, that alone place with God. And then, and and in that alone place with God, <laughs> you may hear some rustling here because uh, our friend Jason Moog has just uh, magically appeared, um, and he's getting settled. So, Randy, don't let that stop you. I feel like you're about to drop some major wisdom. No, not wait. really. I, but I was just going to say, I think he thought <laughs> oh, we God. were at eleven o'clock p.m. tonight. Is what you had in your calendar? You said. Oh, that's what you want to... No, 11... Sorry, 30. Oh, 1130 a.m. Sorry, did I... This is actually really poetic for for the topic because when you're running in from appointments... It it, it it disrupts your, your, your reveling of God, right? Yeah, <laughs> your somberness yeah. of the moment. We're knocking over things and spilling coffee. Sorry, in guys. that same way, <laughs> no, we're grateful you're here, brother. Really, Welcome. Really, you're really giving you. it to me when I get here. Hi, guys. Yes. No, Hi, but, everybody. But Hi, seriously, but seriously it's, it's that same thing where a lot of us try to treat our interactions with God like that. Where we're just running around and trying to do what we can here and there. But man, we just got to be intentional, take some time and, and set time alone for God to do his work like you did in the car this morning, Dan. Yeah. I was going to just add to in that, in that secret place with, with the Lord and spending time with him, inevitably what I believe he would be saying to all of us is now share me, share what you're learning with others. Yeah. Uh, you just don't, we just don't keep this to ourselves. And so in our, in our times of, of communicating and talking to him, I'm sure for a good number of us in the corp- in incorporating not only praise and worship, but we're also asking him um, to do things in, in our lives and to, we're praying about certain issues. And one of the things we should be praying about is, I believe, is there should be uh, on our list, if you like, uh, people's names of those who don't know Christ, yeah. uh, whether that's a relative or a it could be a coworker. Um, it could just be saying, "Whomever I come in contact with today, let let me just be a a witness." And it, that might not mean I'm going to have much I can say, but I think one of the things in our in our praying is that, and we brought this up on Sunday, was as we are talking to the Lord, was to say, "God help us," as the apostles did in in the new church, the early church did in Acts. Just help us to have boldness mm. and confidence because 
in their context, they were being physically threatened. Uh, in our context, in Bay Area life, Tri-Valley life, what I find is we're not being physically threatened if we talk about Christ, but what we are, and it seems like it's certainly intensified over the last 40 some years that I've been a believer, is there is less and less acceptance for what we're sharing. Yeah, And there is a, a tendency to want to silence us from talking about anything that might be perceived as hate speech when we talk about Jesus it could be perceived as um, intolerant. Mm -hmm. And so there are places where this is at your job. For example, you are not to talk about this. And I think what's happened to a number of us is we've become increasingly more timid with time because we know that there could be repercussions even in this day and age now for talking about the Lord. Mm -hmm. So we... Being a, that it's a spiritual work, the enemy is definitely wanting to silence us, and I, we're we're struggling, I believe, yeah. with knowing how to counter maybe what we're being told in culture with what we're also reading in Scripture, where it seems like you know even despite all the threats, mm. they were just going to go on and they were going to keep preaching. They were going to keep preaching and they were going to keep sharing the gospel. And if it meant ultimately they were even going to die for, wow. they were going to do it. Yeah. And we we need to be reminded of, of that. And they prayed for that boldness. Yes, they right? did. They asked, they asked, so, so that must have meant that they, that they were lacking in some way. Absolutely. Right. So, so the, what a great, um, you know, <laughs> solidarity we can, we can experience, you know, even from these these apostles, these people who walked with Jesus, they witnessed all the miraculous things. By God's power at their hand, miraculous things were done. And still they needed that that strength and courage that only the Lord can provide. So yeah, um, Jason, let's kind of get you in on on this uh, on this conversation. Um what 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 does that look like in your life? Like that just that the the topic of boldness and um, do you struggle with that? And if so, like how, how does God meet that, that need? You know, let, let's just kind of kick around this idea of like boldness and how important that is for evangelism. So just, just to catch up to speed, we've been talking a lot about how for us to be really motivated in a good way to, to share our faith, we have to experience our faith personally, you know? So going yeah. to the quiet place and meeting Jesus and just building in that relationship with him. So now transitioning towards the <clears throat> focus of today, which is evangelism. How do you build that in your own life? The, the boldness, yeah, primarily. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Well, let's just yeah, start yeah. there. Let's just start there. Yeah. Yeah. I um. Well, I, I would say I was not a bold evangelist. I wouldn't even consider myself evangelist. I I think I see that as a spiritual gift, and that we practice evangelism, um, and that I am someone who practices evangelism. The 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 beauty of that sharing my faith, right? And I would consider myself not a bold um, evangelist. Uh, but as the years has gone on, I've become a more comfortable evangelist. That's cool. And, I like that. and my boldness yeah. by default has risen. And I think some of that comes from uh, what you guys, it sounds like we were talking about, a sense of deep dependency upon the Holy Spirit to show up, you know, and my confidence has increased that he will as I've put myself out there and then seen him show up by providing answers, reminding me of scriptures in the moment realizing I said something and thinking the person's going to yell at me or roll their eyes at me and they didn't, mm -hmm. um, hearing stories, 
I mean, having ex- live experiences over the years of people who being like, I've been, they wouldn't articulate it in the moment, but they would eventually say, I've been waiting for someone to ask me some of that stuff, wow. or I've been waiting for someone mm-hmm. to invite me. And so the Holy Spirit's already been at work in their life, um, building rapport with people and then um, on just normal day stuff in life. And then you just waiting for something to go south in their life, which it always does because it's life. And then you're one of the people they now feel trust to. And they say, hey, I've told you no about that praying stuff now, but I think I'll take it now. So um, I had one, one guy who was an agnostic. He, he couldn't decide if he was agnostic or atheist and a friend of mine for years. And he said one time, he said, hey, can you pray for me about some things? And I said, sure. His name was Jared. And I said, tell me why. And he said, well, I don't know that I still believe this stuff, but I just know that I watch you and I watch there was another friend of ours who would pray a lot. And he says, it seems like when you guys pray, stuff happens. So mm-hmm. I don't know where that's coming from, yeah. but I need something to happen in my life. And mm-hmm. so, wow. so anyway, yeah, my boldness increased with that. This, the understanding that I need the Holy Spirit. Another thing that I don't know if people make the connection to is I think uh, boldness naturally increases when your deep desire to people please decreases. Oh, I, don't know that's that, so I, don't, I don't know if that's something you guys already discussed. No, but, no, but get into that. The more that I feel like some of it comes with age, and I think some of it, but some of a lot of it's going to come with just letting the Holy Spirit do its work, His work in you and transform you to where if you're confident and like. This is who I am. This is what I believe. This is my week. If, if you could just kind of run down the list, not with someone, but just with some a friend and be able to say, this is who I am. Here's my weaknesses. Here's my here's my faults. Here's some of my strengths at this season of life. I'm growing in the Lord. And you're just like, this is me. This is who, who God's made me now. I often call it my shape. This is how God shaped me. And the more comfortable you are in that, it's just you don't care. You just don't care about whether someone's going to reject you, not reject you, like you, like your clothes, like your outfit, like your, you know, like your style, like your, it's just, and over time, you're just you like uh, You're motivated by pleasing God rather right. than pleasing man. Exactly. And, and there's a freedom that, that you live yeah. that, that, that produces, right? So, so I'm convinced we have some really amazing evangelists here at Valley Bible who are hidden, they don't know it yet, and they're bound right now by people-pleasing. And when that's freed, we're going to see some evangelism lifted. So maybe one of your gifts or to the churches and to yourself and to God, listener, is to just lean in big time in 2023 and just, I'm going to, what, what do I need to do, God, to partner with you to release these shackles of people-pleasing? And, so, and that, that's that. so I've seen my boldness grow there for those reasons, yeah. Um, I got one more, but I, do you guys want to take a break? And well, let's, let Randy, let Randy let's jump respond. in. Yeah, yeah. Randy, how, how does that resonate with you? What, what, what Jason just shared? Oh, it totally does. And I think you're right on point being a people pleaser. Matter of fact, you know, the New Testament, you know, Paul talked about being a God pleaser and not a man pleaser. And um, when that really has become a focus that I really, in just all sincerity and humility, want to learn how to please Jesus. And it doesn't really matter so much what somebody else thinks of me, but it matters everything, what he thinks of me, then that's going to really be a compass for how I live life. And I have found too, what has helped over the years is that when I've had an opportunity to share my faith and, and have been fortunate to sometimes actually see somebody come to Christ, whether it was in Ireland or here in, in America, you just realize that 
God is using you to do something so incredibly important that is going to count for eternity to see a person actually experience new birth. I mean, I think about it, if you're a, a father or, or mother and you have been able to see a, your child born, just the absolute joy in that. And when you are, get to co-partner with God on being able to share him, and then you actually get to see someone right before your eyes mm-hmm. pass from death into life, wow. then that just gives a shot of more courage and boldness because you know that this may never be recognized by society as something that's important or something to, to want to do if you're a Christian, but we know that in all humility, there's no pride in this, that God allowed us to have that part by being one of his spokesmen or women uh, to, to do that. That's yeah. amazing. And it's yeah. huge. Yeah. It's huge. You, you catch it. Wow. And then it's like, man, I want to, I want to be used to do that again. Wow. Um, and may, and like I said, on Sunday, there'll probably be a number of people in, in uh, heaven, new earth and new heavens where maybe in conversations we'll say, you know, there was some, a lot of seed sowing that you did in my life and you didn't know it, but that had an impact. And then somebody else had a chance to pick the fruit right off that was right for the picking and that person came to Christ. But there was all of this opportunity by how we spoke, how we lived that made an impact. And we'll know probably very, very little of it here on earth, but maybe one day we'll we'll realize. Oh, yeah. We'll realize. I think we're going to see... I'm hoping we go to classes, like angel classes, and the angels mm-hmm. teach classes up there, and they're showing us parts of our lives and how things connected, and Jesus comes in for a moment, for, you know, and then we get to go, yeah, yeah. we get to see all those things. Yeah, Man, that's such a good point of just who are we worried about, you know, judging us and viewing us, mm-hmm. and I, I've tried to, it's kind of a shift of perspective in the context of offending people, because in some ways, man, if someone scoffs at you, for the name of Jesus, then that should be honestly a joy giving moment. And I've tried to think about this because I've had a few conversations recently, um, working with people or whatever, or say, Oh, what do you do for work? Well, I, I pastor a church and I serve in this context or whatever. And you can, they kind of get that look on their face, you know? Oh yeah. And the temptation is like, Oh, I should back down from this conversation, you know? But the reality is no, no, no. Like it, here's my rules. If I offend someone and it was me that offended them, then man, that hurts my heart. And I want to know why and deal with it. Yada, yada, yada. If they're offended because of the gospel, then hallelujah, you know, and Bible, the Bible says that it says we can rejoice when we're suffering as Christians because we know they're participating in Jesus being glorified that we can we should actually have joy when we cause offense in that way, if it's for the gospel. And that's a bit of a shift from everything right. we know, as far as living in society of like, don't, especially right now, everyone's so like trigger afraid to yeah, cause offense yeah. of X, Y, and Z, you know, and I get that. However, uh, we have to just trust even if it means some physical discomfort, like yeah. many people in other areas are experiencing besides America, you know, yeah. to trust that if God commands us to do this, then he's also going to bless that process and protect us in the ways that matters in that process. Well, it's so good because how much of life is about managing expectations, right? Sometimes we we go into whatever scenario and we think it's going to turn out a certain way. And and where did we get that idea from? It's It's maybe unrealistic or not based in reality, right? And so if if we have this expectation that every time I share the gospel with someone, people are going to come to faith and 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 there's going to be, you know, massive revival, right? 
that's not what scripture tells us, right? Like, you know, Jesus sent his, his disciples out and he's like, Hey, you're going to go and and tell people about me. And some people are going to run you out of town. (laughs) You know, there's, there's going to be mixed reviews. Like even Jesus in his own hometown was, was not accepted, you Mm -hmm. know? And, um, you know, Paul tells us in multiple places, like, Hey, the gospel is foolishness. It's a, Jesus is a stumbling block. Like, and if we think about our own experience in hearing the gospel and, and being introduced to Jesus, there's no way to to come to faith in Jesus without being offended. <laughs> because what does the gospel tell you? You are a sinner. <laughs> the gospel tells you that you are your your life is pointed in the wrong direction and you need to repent. That's offensive. <laughs> mm. There's no way around it. And so, and some people are gonna respond to that offense with with humility and um, love and devotion and put their trust in Jesus. And, but, but many other people, and, and there's a case to be made biblically that much more people will respond rejecting that and, and, and then rejecting us as well. And so if we go in with that expectation, um, I I think, I mean, obviously it has the potential to make us even more scared, (laughs) but if we go in with, if we develop this, this attitude, it's like, Hey, they're not really rejecting me. They're rejecting the gospel and they're rejecting Jesus. And so, um, that may be painful in some way, but, um, but it's not going to deter me from, from sharing how, how God has changed my life. Right. And and the reality is most rejections aren't as painful as you, as we picture them to be. So most, most times it doesn't turn into be like, Leave me alone. Never talk to me about this. In fact, never talk to me about ever again. Don't speak my name out loud. Don't talk about my family. Yeah. It's usually rejections like, hey, man, I'm I'm good. Like, I'm good with this stuff. I, I'm not. We're on different pages. That's good for you. Not good for me. Yeah. That's the rejection you're getting. You know, or, or hey, we're good. I don't want to talk about more of the Jesus stuff. So let's yeah, just talk yeah. about, you know, something else. It's you're, you realize in your mind, oh, they're rejecting it. But it's not one of those things. It's like people are cussing and yelling and kicking out but the door. But do you door, think that's right? changing though? Do you think that's changing? Like, cause I, to I, some I, degree. I even think about like, at, you know, in the workplace, like you said, Randy, right? If you don't sign this thing, if you don't, if, or if you share a view that you have, you could get, you can get the boot or, or online, right? The cancel thing, right? I mean, do you think that's changing at all? It is changing, but I still think it's not as – we. the stories we hear are the extremes, and it's just not as – and I think we need to be prepared to be persecuted. You're right. Everything that Sean was just mentioning, what right. you guys were saying, for sure, for sure. Our expectation needs to shift that way. But the but a couple other ways our expectations need to shift, I might add, would be, um, one, it's not as bad as we think it is. Uh, this two um, – Remembering that the Holy Spirit, we're expecting the Holy Spirit to be there yeah. and to do work after the aftermath. You, you know, you know, Craig Kolkel talks about, you guys know, about dropping a pebble in someone's shoe. Yeah. A lot of times they reject you in the moment, or and the rejection often is, man, I'm good, or I'm not I don't interested. Talk about, yeah, yeah. I'm not interested. But later it's bugging them all day long, or, or the Holy Spirit's using, like, you leave the conversation, the Holy Spirit doesn't. It's supposed to be prayed. <laughs> That's so good. And then, you know, they're at, in bed that night thinking about, man— I think you made a good point about that. You know, um, so yeah, yeah. So there's that, and then the expectation needs to change also about. Um, I'll tell you two more. Um, oh, that I'm responsible to walk through the entire gospel with someone. That's really rare. I've shared the gospel with lots of people, and it's really rare in the first moment or the fifth moment that I had with them. 
that I also got to share thoughts about Jesus, about religion, about da-da, and walked them through the entire gospel. Usually I'm a, I'm a, the Holy Spirit's using us as part of the process with many other people he's put in their life, That's some great. that year, some two years later, some three years ago, and they remembered it, you right, know, and right. that we're just blessed, man. Anytime, and I would actually tell you, viewer, anytime you get to walk someone through the gospel and they accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior right then and there, you better pray for God's um, humility that you thank God for that moment, but also that you thank God for all the people that came before you. All the moments that happened All the before, moments yeah. that led up to that where God was moving, the Holy Spirit was moving in their life in different ways, and you just got to be there for that beautiful last moment. Do you guys you know? remember when Tim talked about that? He's like, he's like, just hypothetically or theoretically, just so we can think about it, like everybody has to has a certain number of buttons spiritual buttons that need to get pushed uh-huh. for, for them to, to, to make that, that leap of faith and trust Christ. Right. And, um, you know what, let's just say it's 10 buttons. Do you guys remember Tim talking about this? I years don't, ago? I don't, but I like it. But yeah, he's like, he's like, let's just say we all have 10 buttons where it's like, Hey, it's an invitation or it's a thought or it's, Hey, someone's praying for you or it's a circumstance where God speaks a dream where God speaks, whatever. It's like, okay, a button was pushed. And then another one. And then maybe three years later, another button. And then like, you know, and, and you could be the last button that gets pushed, you know? And, and then they're like, okay, I surrender. You know what I mean? That was the name of Tim's talk. Yeah. The last button. The last button. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But that's really good because then it's not, the burden's not all on us. Right. 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 And it's, it's another, I mean, you talk about um, those that, those that do the work and those that harvest and the Bible talks about that. That's part of That's a biblical principle. And Tim's really just doing another analogy of, um, I like the button thing for yeah, sure, yeah. but another one you guys probably heard is the, the light bulb. You know, like like if when we turn on a light bulb, you, or when you put a new light bulb in, you just twist it all yourself until it turns on, right? Yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. But in in the spiritual realm, a lot of times we my interaction with someone is just one little twist of that bulb in yeah. there, and then someone else twists, and twist, and then someone gets to be that twist where it clicks and the light comes on. <laughs> that's that's cool. kind of fun, but that's that yeah. same idea. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. Yeah, one more quick thought. Hold on, Randy's got some, you got oh, something yeah, yeah, on that. Well, I was just gonna say, and and and. and to be the person that's turning that light bulb, that last twist, that what incentive, you know, what, where my um, desire then for wanting to be able to be used by God to be that person, if he so allows me to, would be that, uh, that I know how to do that, how I can uh, share that message yeah, to, yeah. at that point. Because what if you meet that person and they're at that moment, but you don't know how to help them get there? Yeah. You don't, and, you, and 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 I think that's <laughs> yeah, where that's the the prayer and the preparation and planning all repeats. Yeah, you know, you're right. Uh, all are significant just to be ready. You know, I, I think of a couple of our firehouses for the city that I work for. Some of them are busier and are doing all kinds of calls all throughout the day and night. Uh, some of the other stations are don't go as often on calls because of where they're located and. And they sometimes get a a good night's sleep all night long. Mm. But all of them, all of those firefighters know how to do all of their jobs. Mm. It's just that some, because of where they're located, are are seeing more action, more activity than others. But everyone is equally trained. That's good. And so in this area, that's where I was fortunate that I... I think it was role playing really where, you know, and it sounds, I know kind of corny and cheesy and maybe it just make people die of death, but where we just kind of sat with somebody and, and somebody would just listen to say, okay, let's have a opportunity to share practice. the gospel yeah. practice and, and see if you can kind of figure out how would I, 
do this? How would I lead somebody Cause that, to that's, Christ? That's, the, that's the, the meat of what you're talking about is like, if you want to be used by God to make that last turn, essentially what we're talking about is, can you communicate the gospel in a biblically faithful way that is clear and concise and that will lead somebody to action, right? right. You have to know how to do that. And most and people would say no. Most people say they don't know how to do that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I love that because even though like we started off today talking about how the communication tools are less important than your heart, you know, right, at right. its core. And really, again, you mentioned like orders of operations earlier where I think what's most important in the context of advancing God's kingdom is you living like Jesus and that being a fragrance and a salt and light in the world, you know? Yeah. But then once you do that, you got to know how to, to do that. It's like, it's like if you're, you're, your analogy you just gave of like, we're just one beggar showing another beggar where to get a meal, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, okay, we did our first job of like that beggar smells the amazing feast that's like right around the block from him. But then like, we got to tell them how to get in and have the feast, you know, yeah, <laughs> like we got to yeah, know how yeah. to do that. And so that's where I really appreciate some that's of the good. tools you guys are, are have shared. Uh, we can make, dig into right now of just what are the basic things we got to know, you know, and this looks like a lot of different formats depending on which route you're going. And, and this is one of the areas where you mentioned that the, the 10 buttons or yeah. that, that one guy who turns the light bulb, yeah. turns the light bulb, whatever. Yeah. And, and everyone's got their own unique mix of hurts or baggage or whatever that makes them unique. And as far as why they are opposed to the, to the reality of God's kingdom, you know, and it's in those unique scenarios that, man, there are so many valuable tools. I mean, first and foremost, you do just have to know the gospel. You have to be able to communicate that God sent his son, Jesus, to die for your sins and raise again and, and accomplish victory over sin and death forever. Like that you have to be able to communicate that. And hopefully you just know that in your heart if you're experiencing the realities of Jesus in your life. But then past that, if you're encountering someone that has a unique mix of obstacles in their life that they've dealt with, a unique mix of traumas or hurts or whatever, that's where I think Jason has some really, really great resources that can help you just know what to say or how to how to go about that based on, I think, mostly other people's experiences when they dealt with those situations, right? Is that, is that true to well, say? Well, because just to your point really quick, there, there's maybe a million different ways to share the gospel, oh, right? Endless, endless, yeah, endless yeah, yeah, forever. Yeah. And so... We, we, we need to think about who's, who's my audience. Like, and what I mean by audience is who's the person I'm talking to, yeah. um, you know, or a lot, a lot of times, uh, maybe you have an opportunity to speak to a group. I don't know, but, but a lot of times it's just one-on-one. So who is the person, where are they coming from? And, and, and how can I share the gospel with them in a, in a compelling way that's still true that will lead them to, them to, them well, to action? And that's what you mentioned. That's the first thing you came in is I, for boldness, I pray and I and I know, I expect the Holy Spirit to show up. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what that showing up looks like most of the time is I pray things like God or Holy Spirit tell me what will speak to this person's heart specifically. You know, yeah. what, what what will get them there. So what do you have to say about that, Jay? Well, I mean in directly to what I say about that if I'm if I have someone that I have a, a regular encounter with, let's assume it's someone I re- someone at work, someone a neighbor and I also know they got their own because that's different than you guys were pitching being on Bart, and I and I yeah. I'm getting off at market, um, and I've got you, <laughs> you know got two, thirty seconds, yeah, yeah. Or thirty seconds, two yeah. minutes. All right, that's a very different type of boldness than someone. Even if I see that person, we have the same, you know, Bart trip stop tra- stops to work. Yeah, yeah, it's still you know you only got so much time. Versus someone's a neighbor, a, a, a coworker, things like that. Um, one of the things I think about is uh, what hat am I wearing? So that would be, am I wearing, when I talk to them, am I wearing a preacher teacher hat? And I think a lot, a lot of our evangelism, I think in our, my, at least my 
era of Christianity was taught, it's taught by preachers and teachers. So they're like, hey, teach them this, explain this, walk them through this. Those are phrases that we'll use. And they're excellent. And we need to have that. And one time we need to put on the teacher hat with someone. They need to be taught what yeah. the gospel are taught, that sin is this, especially in our culture today. It's a it's yeah. sin is all sorts of things, or that it's been dismissed. So things need to be taught and preached. But most of the time we need to be wearing what I would say your counselor hat. And the counselor hat is uh, is a listener hat, and so you, so mm. most of the time in evangelism, you think you need to be doing most of the talking, <laughs> but you need to be the least amount of talking, and and, and just and so I have. To, am I wearing my counselor? Maybe you might say mentor hat. And great counselors, man, they ask really good questions, and then they sit there in the silence and just wait until the person shares. Or you know, I, I joke. I I, I watched a. Um, I was at a workshop that was talking about how like the really good counselors always have um, some tea or some coffee next to them, so they can take it, and they sip. just take a long big sip while they're yeah. while they're while they're while they're sitting there waiting That's for good. you to keep talking. And you get people talking. They see this also in small groups when the numbers go up, the care goes down, is what they say. So keep your small group smaller, or break, if you're in a big small group, break off into what we call. Um, breakout sessions or um, subgrouping so that the more the reason they say that the they's out there is the more you talk in a small group the more intimate you intimacy you build and the more freedom that you if you feel like you get to share there's some somehow intimacy and walls is built walls are broke down so one small thing I do is is ask myself as I'm talking with this co-neighbor worker in the in the regular conversations that I have with them am I wearing my teacher hat or my Counselor hat more often. Well, and it could switch even in a in a given conversation, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, and and it doesn't have to be like um you know crazy insightful questions. It, it literally could just be like and yeah you uh-huh. know or like right. or like well t- tell me more about that or exactly or like hey where where do where did you get that idea from? Because yeah. I think a lot of times when you have spiritual conversations with people, they'll share uh, a truth claim or some conviction that they have about the world or about spirituality or about God. Yep. And, and our <laughs> instinctive reaction is to then tell them how they're wrong. Let me teach you what's, that's wrong. Let me teach you what the Te- Bible that's says. That's your teacher hat. That's your teacher hat. But, but other times, most often, it's more effective to just say, oh, that's really an interesting idea. Where did you get that idea from? Like, who taught you that? Exactly. You know? And then exactly. let them. You've done this. <laughs> yeah. And then just kind of let them uh, unpack that. So, Randy, what, what, are, what are your thoughts along those well, lines? Well, like you're, you're all saying good stuff and. I would just, only thing I would add in just one cent after some of these good cents you guys have given is what you just alluded to, Jason, is difficult to ask questions and just to listen and how important that is. So what I have found in, in when I've talked with folks uh, is I trust that God is giving me wisdom to know how far to even go in the conversation. Sometimes it's best just to hit on a couple verses that deal with the problem of sin and the penalty for sin. And if I don't get a sense, because, you know, I'm really just trying to trust what the Lord is revealing to me in the moment that this person even really sees their need or disagrees with the whole concept of sin, then I'm more than happy to say, okay, um, and then and, and kind of stop. And, and move on to something else, but I'm not going to, if they don't, if they don't understand the problem and they don't agree with the problem, then putting a ton of emphasis on the solution 
Mm. Doesn't make has never made <laughs> to me much great, sense. That's a great point. So it, it might take weeks and months. I, I mean, it was one person I think of in Ireland that we met with uh, Cindy and I. He came over because I had a problem with my computer. This is way back when the the computer brand was called a Toshiba. Oh boy, laptop. <laughs> and my neighbor, who Cindy and I had been sharing with, said we have a relative who knows how to fix computers. Well, lo and behold, he comes over and he says, this is going to take longer than I thought. So then I thought, duh, Lord, what are you doing here? And so I, and we invited him to come over for dinner the next time. Mm. And then I started to just share with him because he started asking questions about why we were living in Ireland as, as Americans. And next thing I know, this guy is so hungry and he's been wanting to hear truth wow. that he kept coming back and then after about a month, he surrendered his life to Christ. That's so cool. This caused a major conflict with our neighbors mm. that we had known for five years oh that their goodness. relative had become a Christian wow. and that he was You indoctrinated shared. him and brainwashed him. Yeah, and all really, that stuff. it really wow. did. It really wow. did. But God, God knew what was going to happen there. But I just found he was, he was so open that we could keep going. But with other folks, I just sort of slow it down mm. and don't feel I have to, get it all out to the point to where it's like a meal where you're just too much. You know what that makes me think of is um, the Ethiopian, you know, on the way to Jerusalem to to in, in Acts, uh, what is it? Chapter six, where um, Philip gets sent out to, to go meet this guy on the road. He's traveling and he's a, he's a seeker. He's a spiritual, he's spiritually hungry. Like, like you're saying, right. And how do we know that? Because he's, he's reading, Isaiah, Isaiah, he, and he's he's and he's going to Jerusalem to seek God. He he doesn't know about Jesus. He doesn't know the gospel, but he's God's drawing him, and so he sends Philip to him. And Philip says, "Hey, what are, what are you reading there? <laughs> oh, I'm you know. Do you understand what you're reading?" And he says, "Do you remember what he says?" He's like, "How how will I understand it unless someone explains it to me?" Right. So then, in that moment, he's you know, Philip's able to, to, to gauge his interest and put on his teacher hat and he puts on his teacher hat and right. he starts get, getting in. Let me explain to you. And, and it's amazing, miraculous. Like he gives his life to Jesus. He gets baptized right there on the side of the road. Right. I mean, it's what a beautiful picture of evangelism. And so, um, you know, I think having that spiritual discernment, uh, to, 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 to whatever hat you're wearing or to go deeper or to pull back or whatever, like God will lead us in that. Um, I want to ask a question. Can I take us in a little, a little well, bit of a different direction? Can I say direction? just one more thing okay, on yeah. the same topic? Yeah, yeah. I would just say uh, uh, it's it, you have to decide. Another thing is deciding, you know, like what we were talking about, the teacher hat, council mm-hmm. hat. But what Randy's talking about is I, I think I decide also in my head, am I in for the long game? Is this a long game one oh, or is this shit. a short game one? And so, like, for an example, if, if that guy's only come back for a certain amount of time and then he's leaving town, that's a short game thing. I got yeah. a few weeks with this guy. It's going to determine the amount of boldness I need to be with the person. If I'm on the BART, that's short, obviously short, short game. Uber driver. Uber whatever. driver. If yeah. I'm, if I'm, you know, it's a neighbor, a coworker that I'm with for a long time, I might decide, hey, we're in the long game based off not only how long, how, how much I see them, but also their willingness to hear and the, and what hurdles we need to overcome. And, and I'm gathering information along the way. And that's okay to do that. That, that any meaningful relationship, you need to be gathering information. Think, oh, they what would best care for this person? That's cool. And so that long game, short game thing, and then just like 
when you're asking questions, be genuinely interested. Mm-hmm. It's not like this, like, we're not salesmen, you know, we're, we're like <laughs> genuinely, okay, tell me more. Like, and, and Dan, you nailed it. Like with, you know, they might say, I was talking to a, um, a young adult woman the other day that was, she's Muslim. And so she said, man, I'm so appreciative of, she, she heard of something I taught and she said, I really appreciate what you taught. And I, and you know, I'm Muslim. So really it's not that big of a difference because we really have the same, we're really worshiping the same God. Right. Mm. And I chose in the moment not to be like, no, we're not. Let me walk you through why we're, you know, da, 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 da. Wrong, um, I just said, I, I said, I said, I said, how long have you felt that way that, or that you, have you taught that that we're taught, you know, that we've been worshiping the same God and I just listened to her talk. Yeah. And so that's part of it is just making the decision like, you know, What's needed. What's yeah. needed in the moment. But act but but truly being interested. Tell me more. Oh, tell me more. I want yeah. to hear more. Where did you learn that? How did you how did you come to that position? You know, that kind of things. Um but then I would I would just give our listeners two more tools is that you the the phrase let's to be continued this conversation. I say that a lot. I know it's, it might be cheesy or something, but I'll say sometimes we're, we're cut off or they're like, Hey, it was good talking with you. They're done. Right. They're yeah, done. Yeah, yeah. And I'll say, Hey, this is great talk. Maybe we can to be continued it at a different time. Yeah. Most people are just like, yeah, sure. And some, some probably mean it. Some probably don't, Yeah. but they just gave you permission to be like, Hey, to bring remember? it up again. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> and then now I've been bold enough to bring it up, whether I get permission or not, where I'll say the phrase, if I see someone, I'll be, I'll say this phrase, Hey, I last time we I don't know if you remember but the last time we were talking I've been thinking a lot about what we what you said can I ask you another question about it that's cool and it just like brings that. us right back to it and so that's another tool that I and really it's the power of the question it really is it's like the power of the question I was on the airplane well I can say the story do you want me to tell you the story that I don't know if it's a good one Let oh, it rip, I love it okay. I was on the airplane <laughs> once and this lady sitting next to me I just I'm just blown away by the power of the question. And really, we should be trained to be good question people. And I was on I was on this airplane um, coming back from a conference in Chicago, and um, this lady sits next to me, and she she I, before I could say, "Hey, how's it going?" I, I you know, you try to feel someone out, like are they want to the people sitting next to you, they want to talk or not talk, but she, she right from the get go, she's chatting with me, and so then she says. Basically, hey, I'm at the. I was at this. I said, "Well, what are you doing in Chicago?" She said, "Well, I was at a conference." I said, "Me too," and I was thinking maybe that's my in, but uh, she just went on about her conference, and she was basically at a conference. I won't say what it was, but it was basically a, a pyramid. I would call it pyramid scheme. Multi level, yeah, multi level, yeah. Um, and she was being trained on how to do it, and she was just open with me about it. Yeah, she said, "I'm going to be trained on this," and she's like, "Can I practice on you?" And immediately in me, I was like, "Oh, please, Lord, please die, die a yeah, slow yeah, death yeah. right now, right?" Um. But uh, but I said so. I said to her, absolutely. K- k- tell me why you went to the conference, though. What was it like? What was a conference like that like? Even yeah. And then she's like, well, it was like this. And then when I'm like on day two, they do what with you? And then she's like, day two. She's like, tell me all the without even telling me anything about the conference. She's just tell me what it is. And I said, oh, that's amazing. And then I said, what what led you to go to a conference like this? I mean, that's a that's a big commitment of time. Yeah, and then she explains a story about her life and kind of she's shifting careers and and tells me a little bit about it and I said really I said what well, what a big exciting time to shift careers or is it, or is this one of those ones that you had to shift careers? Then I just was quiet and then she said because I saw it, she said well I, I'm not so excited about it this is a, a a more difficult time right now and I said uh-huh. really is that something you want to talk about? And then she said <laughs> she said well. We've recently had a divorce, 
and I don't want to go back to school or work, but I've got to bring in a certain amount of money. And a friend of a friend told me about this thing. So then I decided to go. Da, 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 da. So wow. as you guys see, I won't go on. I just begin to ask her questions. She It ends. She's in tears, crying, asking me to pray for her. And I'm talking about Jesus. I never heard about what the what – the, You never what, heard the pitch. I never heard the pitch once. <laughs> the plane landed. I prayed over her. I gave her some resources. That's cool. And so, you know, really – it's the power of the question one and who was in the driver's seat. And I was deciding to be in the driver's seat the whole time, just simply asking questions. That's cool. Now I just would say we, we can't always sit in the driver's seat. You got to let them talk to you and you got to let them sometimes they have questions like, well, I don't really get what sin is, or I don't get why, why that's so important or then you got to put the teacher out. Yeah. And so that's important. But in that particular setting, I just decided I'm going to be in the driver. I don't really want to hear this pitch. Plus I want to get to Jesus. And so I'm going to sit in the driver's seat this time. And I did it simply by the power of the question. And then there's the power of the second question, which you guys might want to read, listener, you want to write down, which is that's sometimes when you say to someone like, hey, how was your weekend? And then they say back to you, oh, cool. We did that. Um, we had that uh, recital for my daughter and a bunch of family came into town. And then you say, oh, often, oh, cool. Or how was that? That's good. And then they'll be like, that's good. Right. Or it was okay. But the power of the second question to be a better question than how was that was, Ooh, like well, if all the family in town, how was, how was that like? You just emphasize the word that. How was that like? Yeah. And then sometimes they're like, well, you know. And then all of a sudden they're telling you a whole story about yeah. how Uncle Fred came and he was drunk half the time and <laughs> da 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 and they interpret the, the emphasis on that. They do. Their and, own way. Yeah. And, yeah. and you're just asking someone, tell me a little bit more. Or like, I know what it's like to have family in town. What was that like? Or was that hard? Or was that tough? You maybe just go for it. Was that yeah. tough having all that family in town? Yeah. And that's the power of the second question, which you're not because our culture is happy with the first question. Keeping it surface. And giving level. it service level. Yeah. It was a good weekend. Or it was good. We had a good time. Hmm. And we need to be not comfortable with that and go with the second question, which takes it deeper. And deeper is where we want to go. Then you're safe. And then they come to you later with some some more meaningful questions. And you can say, hey, I'm a, I pray a lot. You want me to pray for that? And then what you just did was take what I call bridging the secular to the sacred. And that's what Sam Chan talks a lot about is that our culture says, keep the secular over here, keep the sacred over here. And we're bridge makers. And it's just a simple question. Hey, can I pray for you about that? That's something I pray a lot about. Now sacred has been brought into the secular, and that's something you can – build upon in the future. That's great. Yeah. which And I love that because like first question, second question, like those are good ways to remember those things, but just at its core, it's just, you're showing that person you, you are intentional and you care about them. Yeah. You, know, you show them you, you, you care, which but you have to actually care, right? That's the other to thing too. Care. That's where it starts. Yeah. Don't, <laughs> don't oh, tell me about how that was. Yeah. yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Um, or then, ru- or, or ask a question. Sometimes we ask a question, then we rush away or we're, oh, we're not really listening. Yeah. yeah, which man, I I've been convicted of this many a time. Where I think that does a lot of damage for someone's um, impression of Jesus is if you dismiss them. You know, you treat them like they're not worth your time because you're just too busy or whatever it is. Um, so let that be mm-hmm. a good takeaway as well. Of just man, that's very Jesus like to to sacrifice time and energy to invest in someone and show you care even if it's a stranger on an airplane, you know, um, whatever that looks like. We, we are short on time here. It's been a great time with, with y'all, but maybe you two can give a little bit of a teaser for an opportunity to continue this uh, encouragement from you all on the 27th at the Altamont. Give us a little uh, slice well, I don't know if Randy knows. Life. You know, we're teaching at the Altamont. He knows. Okay. Randy knows it all. Good. Yes, I found that out. 
So invite Randy, can you invite invite yeah, the listener? And I'll give a teaser. Yeah, invite the listener. Yeah, it'll be a Sunday the 27th at the Altamont at 10 o'clock. And we'll be, uh, Jason and I will be co-teaching on that morning on the subject of evangelism, really just the, the what, the why, and then I'll be addressing the how. And I have a feeling just some of the things that we've heard, because we did this last Sunday here at the crossing, and we touched on it too with Jonathan um, a, the week before that, is just to get a sense that there's maybe some folks here who are listening right now and who come to BBC at the crossing or the Altamont who just want some more practical tools of how to engage in this area of evangelism and on some of the stuff Jason's been talking about even the last few minutes. So our ears are open uh, to to hear and to see what, what we can do as we go after this Sunday on the 27th to see how we can just do some more tool equipping. Like in 2023. In 2023, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and you have permission, uh, crossing a person, if you have never been to the Altamont, you know you can always go. Oh, come and this check is it out. A great, yeah. This is a great opportunity just to go, to continue this conversation. Maybe God's prompting you and you're like, hey, I want some more resources. I want some more tools. Uh, we're going to take this conversation even deeper um, on the 27th at the Altamont. So, so Altamont people, you'll be there. But crossing people, will you please come too? Yeah, that's a great one. And I and I would say just as a little teaser, um, because Jonathan from Nigeria did already teach on it, he touched on some of the stuff I taught this past week. So I'll probably just do a little review on those things. Um, but I will add a few more things. And one of the things I'm going to add is the the ability, how do you start where you can tell a story and and you can say to someone in your office place or in your neighborhood, um, like, let me tell you a story about my life and 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 not my, or let me tell you a story about that situation. You can relate to them. And then if you regularly tell a story from your own life that's really short, that is, it doesn't have to do anything with Jesus, then you have the freedom to start saying, let me tell you a story that Jesus once told about that I think will be meaningful for your situation. And it doesn't even have to be the gospel. It can just be one of his stories. And I'm going to talk about that. And then I'm going to talk about what about the Christian out there or the person you talk with who thinks they've been, they're like, I'm a pretty good person. Like, why do I need your Jesus? And we run into that in our culture today a lot where there's someone's like, I I don't, why do I need like sin? Like, what's the deal with sin? Like, I don't really, I don't, you know, I don't need it. And they don't feel like sinners. sinners. They're like, I'm pretty good. And, or they don't feel a deep sense of need for Jesus because they have stuff. They, all their stuff, they think it satisfies them. What do you say to that person? So we'll hit that. And then I'll just in closing tell you that the, I would, and this is just an encouragement to all you listening. One of the reasons we can be bold and one of the reasons we can come to Altamont and hear these things and feel like I can take them and do them is because Jesus um, in his teachings uh, in Matthew said that, uh, that the gates of hell won't prevail. You guys, uh, you guys yeah, remember yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And he said in, in, in that uh, Matthew 16, 17 through 19, he said, and I tell you, he's talking to Peter and he said, Peter, I'm going to build a, I'm going to use you to start my church. Yeah. I'm going to build something. And the church, I'm Peter thinks it's like a church at the time. And he's like, no, 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 this is a church that's going to keep going from one generation to the next is what we learn later. And he says, this church is going to keep building and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Right. Wow. And I just want to leave you with this thought <laughs> and I'm going to stop. But the, we think about that. I think with the church by and large has thought about that passage wrong which is like, hey, as the world comes at us and Satan comes at us in every culture and every generation, 
Don't worry, just suck it up. You know, it'll you'll you, it'll the church will get like a tsunami is coming, right? The gates of hell, and it it slams on the church, and we're saying. Hang in there. It, it, it won't prevail, right? You'll yeah. still make it, and it'll be passed to the next generation and the next generation. And that's a real defensive understanding uh, of that passage. Yeah, that the, It doesn't say the armies of hell. It doesn't say the tsunami of hell. It says the gates. And in the culture gates of the time— Gates are defensive. Yeah. You, we, as, as in that metaphor, we are the church marching towards the gates of hell— and and we and and Jesus is saying, hey, when you march towards them, and when you are being proactive in your faith, that all the strongholds and all the things that people have set up in their life, they, they'll crumble. They they won't prevail, that's and the so church good. will continue on. So that's a thing to be bold out there, and to step out in your faith, and to be confident that the Holy Spirit's with you, and the gates of hell won't prevail. Can I say Amen. one last thing? This is my last thing before before we sign off. Is that storming of the gates of hell? And, and the expansion of God's kingdom in our culture, you know, our part in that is evangelism. But I think another place that we get it wrong in, in our modern day Christianity is we think of that as an individual pursuit. It's my evangelism that's going to, that's going to overtake the gates of hell. But really, in, especially in that context, and when we t- read about the Great Commission, Jesus is saying, hey, you guys as my church, you guys, as the people of God, we're, this is this is something we do together. And so as you've been listening to this conversation, I think it's really easy just to maybe feel the pressure and the weight of it, which I think there is an appropriate urgency that we should feel, but know that you are part of a family of God. You are part of a kingdom of God that is working towards that end together. It's not just you storming the gates of hell alone, because that would be a little bit terrifying, but us together as as the church universal and as Valley Bible Church here in the Tri-Valley, we are storming the gates of hell together. Mm. Amen. Amen. My last thing. Ooh, I like I'm it. I'm just yeah. kidding. No. <laughs> Actually, on that point, I just think it's what a healthy reminder of just, man, think think less about the phrase, what does God want me to do right now? And think more about the phrase, what does God want to do through me right now? Mm-hmm. And let that kind of inform your worries about being judged, give give you boldness, give you motivation, all those kinds of things. And then, uh, yeah, tune in on the 27th for these two fellows. If you want more of this uh, same encouragement and equipping, Dan actually will be at the ultimate on the 20th, this coming Sunday. That's, That's right. Exciting. And I'll be here at the worship. crossing on the 27th. Yeah. It's a party. It's going to be great. All right, guys, if you're still here, then man, bless you for your patience. And hopefully that was useful and equipping and encouraging time for you. See y'all at Sunday uh, worship services and then next week again for Behold. Take care, guys. God bless. And thanks, Randy, for joining us. You bet. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe for future episodes of Behold. If you would like more information about Valley Bible Church, or if you'd like resources from this episode, go ahead and check out vbc.online forward slash behold. Catch you guys next week.